Hi everyone, it's Liz, your host of Coffee and Convos. Welcome back to another episode. This episode and the following were going to be a little different. I got to have the opportunity to be on a local radio station and show some podcast love while the host was out. So me and a few friends, we went and we talked about politics, wellness, and activism, but in a different format. We got to host a three-hour segment on WATR 1320, and here is the episode broke into three-hour segments. Hope you enjoy, and see you soon. To a Friday talk of the town. Steve Knoxon on vacation this week returns on Monday. We have brought you this week a great set of special guest hosts. Today, community advocates and leading voices of Waterbury's rising generation Elizabeth Bullard, Charnel Bush, Dimitri Coles, and Bilal Tajaldeen. And now, talk of the town until one here on WATR. All right, we're back with the leading voices of Waterbury. <laughs> you only got to tell me once that I could use that. <laughs> um, all right, y'all, my name is Liz, host of Coffee and Convos, and I'm having a good time on WATR 1320. If you're new to WATR, what are you doing? Uh, you should be tuning in every day, especially when you have the wonderful voices of Bilal, Charnel, and Dimitri, um, all Waterbury voices and leaders and advocates. And Liz. You forgot to include yourself oh, in that yeah. list. And, and Liz. <laughs> bloop, bloop. Burr, right. burr, burr. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just catching you up, we just got finished talking about um, a topic that was in uh, the Republican American in regards to um, school safety and active shooters. And um, we're going to jump into cannabis real quick because um, last year there was uh, a moratorium in regards to cannabis use. And I want to get the exact language. All right. So last year, the city enacted a mor- moratorium <laughs> on a recreational marijuana blocking applications and zoning permits for these businesses. Um, at that time, um, there was public discussion and there were it seemed to be more people that were against the moratorium, but it still passed. Whatever. We'll, 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 we'll get into that. Um, and at that meeting, and, you know, correct me if I was wrong, because I think a few of you were there. But they were like, this will not be extended. We, we're just doing this for more research, and then we're going to go. However, hindsight 2020, June 7th, we have another article coming out as um, on WFSB where Waterbury leaders are letting voters decide the future of recreational marijuana in the city. In a unanimous vote, the Board of Aldermen added two questions for residents on the November ballot. As I hear that sigh, <laughs> asking if recreational marijuana should be sold or manufactured within the city. Um, and I think it's a, a topic for for many reasons that should just be discussed. Um, if you caught the end of the break um, in regards to active shooters, the mayor was really clear in saying, like, you know, we're not going to defund the police. I'm never letting that go, making really hard and fast lines. But then with cannabis, you've somehow flaked and they're just like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't I don't get the lack of continuity here. Mm. Um, so that's just kind of a brief overview. It's going to be on the November election ballot. What are some thoughts? Um, you know, what research came about in the year? <laughs> you know, that has that's not a yet. Good question. Very. Like, what were you researching? Were you researching prospect moratorium? Were you researching what, how, you know, how Colorado and their, like their municipalities, you know, obtained funding you know, from the sale of cannabis? Like, we. You know, was there a research on, you know, 
how people believe that marijuana is a gateway drug for the youth. You know, I, I've heard that before. So, I mean, if there's no research, then I just feel like this whole moratorium thing was just, uh, uh, you know, political performance, mm. you know, at mm. the end of the day. And then um, the higher ups, quote unquote, mm. um, never wanted marijuana to set foot in Waterbury to begin with. Right. Um, you know, and believe it or not, um, a lot of the things that the state has been doing, Waterbury has been fighting against it mm. <laughs> naturally. So as a democratic city mm-hmm. with a democratic that. governor. Yeah. I digress. Sure. You know. Chanel. Well, oh, no, go ahead. Ben. I was going to say, so <laughs> last, last year, actually, um, Chanel and I, a few other folks, um, went, we went down to a community conversation being held by state rep, Jerry Reyes, state Senator Joan Hartley. And with a special guest appearance from, <laughs> well, she wasn't on the list. <laughs> Ginny Ray Clay, who's the executive director of the Social Equity Council, which is meant to make sure that cannabis licenses in the state of Connecticut yes. are are have a social equity lens, right? That there's an element of them where communities that have been historically overpoliced for nonviolent drug offenses get some kind of support, right? Or at least a first pass at, at these licenses. And on that in that community conversation, both Ginny Ray Clay and Senator Joan Hartley both said that the mayor is not opposed to having cannabis businesses in Waterbury. I think Joan Hartley's words were, I can't imagine why he would oppose that. Because he's all about bringing in businesses and the mill rate and all these. I mean, that's what they said in their own community conversation. So either, um, you know, uh, maybe that's what that year in pause was about, figuring out the most effective way to open up these businesses in Waterbury. I guess we're going to find out on the ballot, which I think is an interesting tactic to get – folks to decide on something but they've come out and saying that the mayor's in support of it and that the city should have it sure now go ahead i couldn't tell if Bilal was like i'm gonna be the devil's advocate and like but no but so that like for for context too like that that community conversation happened september 27th it happened the day before my birthday that's the reason i remember yeah um what a memory yeah i was going to brunch afterward that's why i was mad we were late starting and we all know why we were late someone saw had to bring donuts and coffee whatever Uh, (laughs) i'm not i'm not upset about that but no i when i think about the conversation around cannabis um because i asked a lot of questions and and me and uh representative reyes had a conversation somewhat heated in the community conversation and outside once we once i was on my way out um and a lot of the conversation seems to be about what it means as far as drug use um in waterbury and like like Dimitri say gateway drugs and i think a lot of the language we use around marijuana is archaic it's antiquated it's mm-hmm. old we're still living in the dare generation of like marijuana is the reason why people do heroin and like let's Let's be realistic. Like, if you look at high schools, like, I work in a high school. I have, I have nieces and nephews in high school. And we're having conversations about the things that are offered to them. It is not marijuana in the way that we believe it is. When we look at what people are vaping, they are not vaping marijuana in the way that we think they are. They're popping I'd Adderalls. And they're were, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, because they have more access. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, things that they have access to readily. Like, how many kids have been diagnosed with ADHD in the last five years? Mm-hmm. How many kids take those pills every day? Mm-hmm. How, who's counting those pills? Mm-hmm. Our parents at home could are working three jobs. They at home to make sure those mm-hmm. pills are going where they need. You know, all these things are happening, and we're focusing on things like cannabis what, that can one bring money into the city because we're talking about you know we talk mm-hmm. about that, but we talk mm-hmm. about equity. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the fact that black and brown businesses could be opened here that hire black and brown people, and we can stop and people can stop and trying not to say the quiet part.
hard out loud where it's like what they want to say is like brown people don't work hard mm-hmm. and like give them opportunities to to utilize the thing that they've been demonized for mm-hmm. Absolutely. right these are skill sets if we don't want to talk about the fact that people being locked up for dealing drugs that these are businesses just not businesses that we we celebrate in business yeah but if we legalize this there's money coming in there's jobs coming in there's transformation of communities all these things happen so you putting a moratorium for a year but to not continually update us on the on the research you've done or where you've been or who you've spoken to or who you've brought in to start planning things out doesn't give me the faith that you, like Dimitri said, really wanted it in the first place. It mm-hmm. seems like it's something that you have these old school ideas that you refuse to let go of and you want to make every – all hundred and – what? How many people live here? 114. 114, yeah, 1,000 people go along with what you believe. And the truth is that people don't agree with you. And, and the thing is, right, so you do not have to be a participant to say this needs to be allowed in this city. Right. You know what I mean? Because the reality is it, it's not going anywhere. People are going to go to New Haven, Hartford, wherever these businesses are. They're going mm-hmm. to partake. Not only are they going to partake, they're going to stop there and shop. And they're going to continue to pour that revenue where it can be here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I think it's a lost opportunity. And, and for what? For you to just be like, I'm the moral high ground? Well, what does it matter? Like, it's still not stopped. Like, it, well, like, what's the point? And mm-hmm. not only that, but what does it matter when almost how, how many corners have liquor stores where you can buy nips for 99 yes. cents? I worked at a liquor store um, throughout college, right? And and actually, one of the hardest parts about working at a liquor store was having regulars. Mm. Right, because you recognize when you're seeing the same customers over and over again, you you and you talk to them, right? Like it's a, it is a social business, almost mm-hmm. like a bar, mm-hmm. right? You find out that that they are slowly on a decline, mm-hmm. and you kind of witness that over years. Alcohol, I mean, I think what is the leading cause of, of death for yeah. men over a certain age is like alcohol related problems, right? In enlarged uh, hearts or livers mm-hmm. or anything, but somehow cannabis has become the sort of the the thing that we have to stand against that, that this is where it turns our whole city down when five dollars any at any liquor store can get you nips i was like it can get you uh it was a dubra you can get a whole handle you can get a handle yeah honestly like, it's like four dollars for a pint right. of dubra so, so look everyone went back to college <laughs> <laughs> no college was burnett's no that, that's because you're younger one than off. me yeah <laughs> i never go to burnett's ever i'm too i'm too classy for that oh, yeah. excuse me but i agree with, i agree with you like we we have we die on these hills mm-hmm. And at the same time, let other let other things that are actively um, negatively affecting our community go by the wayside because I, I'd argue it's because there, there's money that comes from them, mm-hmm. right? They, these businesses pay taxes, so why aren't we allowed to make sure that liquor stores are at every corner of the hood? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, let's be realistic about where the liquor stores are. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. They can be there, and the, we can make sure zoning is great for them to show up everywhere they go mm-hmm. and, and feed into things. But we, but we can't do things that actively lift and pull, like. I, it just bothers me. Like I, when we talk about our elected officials like being ineffective, this yeah. is what we mean. Well, like, we'll talk. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna. I was gonna say last year when I was canvassing in the fifth district to run for the board of Alder, I met a woman off of Willow Street in one of the side streets. There's that um, corner liquor store right where Old St. Margaret's School was. Now mm-hmm. I, I think it's the Brass City Charter School. Charter school. Charter school yeah. um, and so, you know, we're walking on that street. We're knocking on doors. And there was a woman who was sort of hanging out on her, her front lawn. We were chatting with her. And I asked her, I said, what is something that can happen in Waterbury, you know, like overnight? Like if you're envisioning this, what could happen overnight that would make your everyday better? Mm-hmm. And this woman who's been living in this house, this apartment on off of Willow Street – 
for, she said, like 45 years, pointed to that liquor store and said, if you shut that liquor store down, all of our lives would get better. Oh, wow. And it's just the, it's the effect of having, um, you know, really no control over substance use when it's so readily and easily available, so inexpensive, right? And embedded inside your community. Like, Mm -hmm. she was three houses away from it. Right, so she was talking about how she used to let her kids, you know, play across the street or on the road or whatever, because it's the side road. And she's like, not anymore, because people start speeding up and down. They go into the store. They come out. Are they drunk already? Are they not drunk already? Mm-hmm. She's worried about the safety of her, well, not her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a real mm-hmm. problem. And yet, you know, fair game, right? Open up more stores as long as there are permits available. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so kind of... Um, one last hot topic um, before we go to a break is November elections. And we'll spend a brief time because I feel like we've just have brief (laughs) (laughs) politicians. Like I maybe got one thing in the, the mayor, the mail, uh, it was this, this brochure. Like I, I want politicians to be, I want politics in Waterbury to be, not just Waterbury, but in Connecticut to be better. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just, you know, who is it running against Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Green with three-legged dog? Um, uh, Marcus something. Yes. Okay. Bring out your three-legged dogs. <laughs> I don't want your poor Christmas card photos. I want to know your issues, and I want to bring out the politics. Mm, um, and so on Twitter, we had someone talk about some of the hot topics that they want to address is, is this thing with Amazon, the housing crisis and racism as a public health crisis. And for the November election this year, um, we have some officials that can do something, right? We have the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House, governor. We have these state and federal positions that will be on the ballot. Um, what are your thoughts? 30 seconds each. 30 seconds. <laughs> we can't say anything in 30 seconds. <laughs> And it would sum up the, the election. On November in general? Uh, what, do you, what do you think about, like, just the election, upcoming election um, uh, in, in Waterbury, Connecticut, in general? Well, I, I can I, – so last time we had a, a question on the ballot, it was for the um, Columbus. Columbus statue. Yes. Right? And I remember um, I was talking to my mother about it, and, and she was like, I'm going to go vote and, and say that it get removed. And so I called her after she went to go vote, and I was like, oh, did you – did you end up voting? And she goes, I couldn't find the question. Mm. Right? It was like it's on the top near the instructions. And, you know. And it's worded weirdly. Yeah. It was worded oddly. And, and she's like, I didn't know where. She's like, I didn't vote for it because I couldn't figure out where it was. Right? Like, so not only do we use ballot questions as a way to um, represent public opinion, but we do no education around this is what the ballot looks like. Here is the question. This is what it means. This is how it's worded. This is what how this is what this answer means. This is what that answer means. Like there's no public education component to go along with a public opinion. And so you've got people who want to vote for things that just like because you're Russian, you know, you're on your way to work or whatever, and then you just you end up not voting. You're not, you don't participate in the politics because you can't figure out the forms. Let's all also talk about, like, he knows the numbers. He's a great marketing strategist. Like, you're not putting a question on there that you don't know that you have the, the numbers to. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and I think um, the referendum is also a political move as well. You know, you, know you're, you don't get into a political office without, like you said, being informed on the numbers. So, you know, when, you know, when Bilal was talking before saying that, you know, you know, the mayor, um, when he feels like the what you talking about with Senator Hartley and Oh, they, according well, to, yeah, Senator Hartley. Yeah, and you, they were right. saying that they don't, you know, see why he would be against it and everything. Well, if he's, you know, not against it, then he would make a, a hard line stance. Correct. Right? So, and then that's the doubt that Charnel and I were putting into the air. And 
it gives us the vibes that you know, like maybe he's he's not and he's not in favor of it. And then when you when you push something to a referendum, it you know speaks even more volumes to to that um, that premise because you know you're looking at the numbers and you're like you know what I don't have to take a hard line stance on this. Like I'm mm-hmm. looking at numbers and I know for a fact mm-hmm. with you know the people who vote. Uh, the voting numbers, you know, um, the voting numbers per district that mm-hmm. I know for a fact that no matter what we do, whether I do something or I don't do it, the numbers are going to come out in my favor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is a political strategy in its own. So, um, I, you know, I'm in favor of marijuana, you know, weed up Waterbury. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is, that an ofi- is that an official statement? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a hashtag now. Weed up Waterbury and everything, but, you know, it's something that, you know, people who are in favor of weeding up Waterbury, um, you know, they're going to have to knock on some doors and do some political educating on their own because it's not coming from the people who are supposedly doing research for the past year. All right, Charnel? Yeah, so... I'm, I'm a firm believer, and I've said this like every time I've been on WATR, is that the onus is on the people with power to do the education. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're going to put something on the ballot, it is your job. If you want people to choose something, you need to make sure that they are educated on all sides of it before they get to the ballot. Mm-hmm. And what people are doing here in Waterbury, they are actively disengaging people. On, like They're doing it intentionally because we know that I don't think it's so much of a, oh, I have the numbers to say. I think what people do is they put it on the people and say, well, it's not me. You guys didn't want it. You all didn't want this thing to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to. I didn't make it. I, I would have been in, into it if you all mm-hmm. would have been into, you know. And so I think what we really need to do, um, it should be like we shouldn't be it shouldn't be on organizers to to prove the virtue of, of mm-hmm. something that our elected officials, again, have waited a year to do to move on. It should be on them. And I think that part of our jobs now is to, one, educate the public. But the other job is to also hold public officials accountable and ask them, like, say out loud what you mean and what you feel. So that, one, we know exactly who's representing us and we Correct. know who we need to get out the next cycle. Right. So, like, I I am I'm very pro cannabis. And I'm I'm not one, I'm not a person who's like you know I partake every day and I do like I'm not one, I'm just I just see the the benefits of it I also I've seen I've grown up you know as a I would say a victim of the war on drugs and how it impacted my community growing up how it impacted my life my mom who dealt and things like that we went to prison lives fractured I see it I've lived it and so I know that treating drugs that don't have harmful effects like in the ways that alcohol does. Mm-hmm. Um, as if they're the worst thing that's ever been created are detrimental to like the livelihood and the futures of our community. So we mm-hmm. need to stop pretending that the things that are actively killing us aren't and the things that aren't are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, fantastic final thoughts. Um, but we are not done. We're going to go to a break and uh, we're going to do some dream talk, talking about our dreams for the city. And then we'll be taking some calls. So if you want to engage with us, the number to do that is 203-757-1320. And again, we'll tell you that once again, we'll be taking calls around uh, 1140-ish. So hang out with us and we're going to go to a quick break. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it does not have to be. With Zencaster, you have a whole tool that can make remote podcasting that much easier. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcast production suite that gives you studio-quality audio and video without needing all the tech-savvy know-how. It records each guest locally, then uploads the crystal-clear audio and video right into the suite so you can have the high-quality raw materials that you want to work with. 
This works really great when my guest is talking and Preston just won't stop barking. I'm able to just cut out his barks and keep all of my guest audio. To access Zencaster and all its tools with a 30% off coupon, go to zen.ai forward slash coffee combos. That's Z-E-N dot A-I forward slash C-O-F-F-E-E-C-O-N-V-O-S and type in the promo code Coffee Combos. That's C-O-F-F-E-E-C-O-N-V-O-S for 30% off for three months. Alright y'all, we are back, we are back This is Liz, host of Coffee and Combos Shout out to 1320 WATR Talk of the Town for letting us uh, take over We are we have just been discussing some, some hot topics around the, the city and the state um, And I am joined by, I'm passing it right to you uh, Dimitri, president and co-founder of Waterbury Strong uh, Sean L. Bush, candidate for State Senate, 15th District. And Bilal Tajaldeen, one of the co-founders of It's Time Waterbury. And the leading voices. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to milk that for the next 40 years. Oh, awesome. Please. Yes, the leading voices. And, you know, we've been talking about, like, our concerns with some topics. So we we talked about cannabis. We talked about um, active shooters and, and safety, uh, the November election, and, and some topics that should be on there. And uh, Bilal, you actually have a, a comment that um you wanted to read out yeah so so maybeth on twitter said uh we were, so we're talking uh, before the break about um liquor stores versus cannabis right um and the effects on public health and so maybeth on twitter says why does zoning in urban settings allow for liquor stores at every corner and at the same time allow for exclusionary zoning oh sure get drunk on this corner the same corner we won't build a multi-unit on make it make sense we need more affordable housing now a fair point, right? Mm-hmm. These are matters of zoning, right? When we talk about should a business be allowed to operate in Waterbury, that is a question on should that type of business, should that zoning be allowed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Maybeth brings up a fair point. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. And it kind of brings me to, so we've been talking, for some it might feel a little bit like doom and gloom, so bringing it up and doing some dream talk. So why keep, fighting is there ever a point where it's just like you know you like it i love it you know it's not bothering you i'm just gonna do me live my life and and does it ever get to a point where you stop believing in the city no (laughs) i'm just gonna come on record as saying that (laughs) he's like we're on facebook live as well so (laughs) (laughs) me and my facebook live reminders alone (laughs) (laughs) so i just want to make sure everyone (laughs) so so below start us off so what helps you to keep fighting even when it's like you're the only voice in the room? I actually, I think because often I'm not the only voice in the room, right? Like there are there there's certainly something you said about living in an echo chamber, right? I think one of the amazing things about Waterbury is actually we don't live in an echo chamber. So even the four of us have had a lot of debates around the best way to get things done here, right? So. So if we're looking at um, a broader context or a citywide context, if we choose to stop working toward what we feel is the best option or the best outcome with the information we have at our hands at that time, I mean, 
what's I mean, what's the point? How are we in community with one another? You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, um, I, <clears throat> I'm going to agree with you. Um, but wow. um, I, I will say this. Um, I was definitely at a point before, you know, I met like minded people that I was just like, you know what? Um, yeah, Waterbury just isn't it, you know, and and that's because I was being more influenced at the time. I was young, of course, and I was soaking a lot of things in and I was being more influenced by people you know, who were outside of the city or, you know, people who are former residents of the city. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I was, at, I was in a, a, a classroom in Central and everybody's doing icebreakers and everything. And, um, you know, like, where are you from? And everything. They're all from Waterbury. And, like, two two people were just like, oh, sorry about that. Like, <laughs> like, you know, and I was just like, whoa, like, you're from, like, Brooklyn, Connecticut, like, the, the complete boondocks of the state. And, you know, you have such a strong opinion about Waterbury like that. And it just didn't sit right with me. But I was still soaking it in. Mm. Um, You know, then eventually, you know, I, I met, you know, um, like-minded people, you know, Dwayne and Tyler and, and Jess, um, Julia, all that time. And, you know, it gave me you know, a new sense of what the city could actually be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so now, um, because of that, and through those people, I expanded to Bilal, you know, Liz, you know, Charnel, you know, Maybeth, and a whole lot of, you know, other people that I just can't name right now because there's a lot of you guys. Um, <laughs> it definitely keeps me out of that space, like, you know, um, of giving up on the city. And and how great is that, that you can't name all the people, right, right who let you keep hope in the, in the city you live in, in your home city? Right. I don't know if we could say that the same thing was true a couple years ago. No, it definitely wasn't. And it's like when you when you enter the work, it's like, wow, this is a very daunting task because there is a lot. Mm. Like, you know, there is a lot that go that goes on. And as an individual, it's like, wow, how can I address everything? Because you want to if you want a better city, you want to better everything that you right. can. Right. You know, but when you have the coalition of people, um, mm. it makes it easier and it gives it gives you more encouragement. So I think that's great. I think it's great. You know what helps you to keep going, especially just coming off of not getting the signatures you need. Like, what? Okay, why ouch. not just? Oh, sorry, no. you know, but like, <laughs> you know, but like, why not just be like, forget y'all? No, because <laughs> you know, you know what it was. It, I'll, I'll speak to something a lot more um, recent because I do. I feel like I do have a bit of recency bias. Um, it's it's because of the door knocking that I mm-hmm. did that has given me hope. In, in Waterbury, like I've, I've always loved my city. Like I, I, I was not born here. I came here when I was ten years old, and much like everybody, like the reaction that Dimitri got, like oh Waterbury. But I had been coming. My aunt lived in Waterbury, so I'd been coming and staying the night and hanging out in wherever she lived in Diamond Court at the time, right? So I was always in Waterbury. So I had some affinity for it. And growing up and meeting people, I played ball at the at the North End Rec. I played for Pal, you know. So I've been all over, and so I love Waterbury, but. Like there's a there is a doom and gloom aspect when we're looking for change to happen and we don't see it. Like Waterbury looks w- like worse than it did when we were kids. Like there's a lot less businesses. People are less hopeful. There's less opportunity and less access. And so knocking on doors and having people like one, there's people I remember this man who was off of on Bunker Hill who told me he's like, yeah, I've been here for 14 years. You're the first candidate I've ever met on my yeah. doorstep. 
And I'm like, well, I'm glad you've met me. And he's like, had all these ideas. And a woman up in East Mountain who felt the same way. She's like, I sent emails and no one responds. But you show up at my door and you're just trying to get on the ballot. Like that. Like I have all these feelings. And I was like, well, I'm on your lawn. Let's talk. She went went inside, got her coffee, and came back to continue mm. talking to me. And just knowing that there are people who care, right? There are people who really want change to happen. And what they do is, and a lot of times they feel stifled because no matter what, they don't. They feel like they don't have options to choose from. Mm-hmm. And people who would actively look to um, make the city better and also they don't know who their leaders are right and so like it gives me hope that people want that still I think in Waterbury we just believe that everyone believes what the aldermen believe and what the mayor believes but the truth is that there are people who want to see change and the only way to get that to happen is to get out and talk to them so I've I've been inspired and motivated and, and encouraged and high-fived and mm-hmm. so had kids spill juice on my shoes, you know, oh. <laughs> like just exciting to talk to a stranger, like, you know, kids get. But I think that that's what does it. It's the people here. Like there's so much potential in the people of Waterbury that has not been tapped into because people aren't willing to bet on us. Mm. And like they're not willing to bet on what that we know what we what is best for us mm. that we have hopes and dreams and visions that outweigh theirs, and I think that the, it's that and the people at this table right now who are who are willing and ready to fight for that because we do believe that we're worth it. So mm. absolutely, like so, and I'm not born and raised from Waterbury, so I, it takes me a little <laughs> bit to do, wrap onto the spirit. But like, um, th- th- there there is such a spirit with the people. Like the, and I, I'll say the forgotten people, the people like, oh, the people that don't vote or their voice isn't heard. Those are the gems of Waterbury. Like when you go in, into the, the senior centers and you, you talk about the people that they still believe in Waterbury, you, you, you hang out with the folks that are, that are on the street corner um, and not the, the pristine street corners, right? Where everyone's too bougie to, to chat, right? Or, and not, but I'm talking about the real people, the nitty gritty people. Like they, with all their problems, have their hopes, their dreams, and they really believe in the city. And, and they don't want to leave. They want to see it better. And and that stops me from looking at the islands that I want to buy. And <laughs> <laughs> so looking at one last night, it was $160 million. I was like, ah. I got that. Got that. You know, couple, couple of pennies. You know, (laughs) Um, but but I I do. I think that the spirit of people really helps um, in those moments when it gets to be discouraging. And so, like, um, like with the community garden. Mm. um, uh, let me tell you, day one. No one wants this here. Do you remember that? Oh, we were there every early. day. Tell the story, Bilal. Well, so Liz and I get there at like nine, nine o'clock because folks are supposed to come around nine thirty. So we figured we get there early, set up, and within the first forty-five minutes, three different people came up to us and was like, "What are you guys doing here? And Who's going like, to take care of this?" Yeah, we're like, "Oh, <laughs> we're doing a community garden," and all three of those people literally were like, "Well, that sounds like a bad idea." We don't like that. People in this neighborhood don't want that. We don't what want What if they steal? Right. What if someone steals a tomato? And I, I remember Liz. I remember Liz said she. So some, <laughs> someone said like, "What if you steal the vegetables?" And Liz says, "Listen, if someone steals a vegetable, they want a vegetable. Like, what are they? Let them have a vegetable. Like, what are you really going to do about it? Right? That's what it's there for." But after that, after like the forty-five minutes had passed and all the naysayers had come and walked their dogs and gone. Like, a whole, like, what do we have? Like, six or eight people yes. show up with their own lawnmowers, yes. weed whackers, garden tools. Like, we were there for, like, eight or nine hours. That the family is the, yes. next door came out uh, and helped us build the whole shed because we did not know what we were doing. Shout out to them because he's come and he's put up the fence yep. with Raphael. 
uh, such gems. Like, these are, like, the gems of Waterbury. Like, yeah. the nitty-gritty people, like, the real people who are far removed from politics, like, they're, mm-hmm. like, it's like, ah. This is what makes the city great because I feel like people are really quick to be like, there's no community here and Mm -hmm. everyone here is like this bad person. There are wonderfully awesome people and I would wish our, our officials would come off their high horse or come out of their office and really hang with people for more than a photo and just like hang with these people because there's no way you go back and just vote the party line after you talk to these people. Or or we can we can elect people who don't have high horses <laughs> and elect people who don't have five bedroom homes in two places and like have like I just I'm saying the nitty gritty people are, are willing and ready to work. Just throwing it out there. I'm not hating on anyone. If you've got money, own it. But like, don't get in the way. Uh, yeah, like you got <laughs> money, give me a call. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Hire me. Like, I'd be great. Um, but me. listen, this has been some great dream talk. We're going to take a quick break uh, and then we're going to take some calls. So, um, one, um, hashtag dream Waterbury. What is your dream for the city? Um, you know, or weed up Waterbury, whatever. <laughs> whatever your dreams may be. Whatever your dreams may be. Um, be the phone call is 203-757-1320. We'll be taking calls um, for maybe about an hour. So we'll come back from break and take some calls. All right. We're back from this quick break where we'll be taking calls. The number is 203-757-1320. So please just give us a call. We want to chat with you. We want to hang out and see what you have to say. And do we have a caller on the line? Caller, hey, how you doing? my call, guys. Clip from Waterbury. Hey, listen, you guys are um, a breath of fresh air. You guys are great. You know, um, how can you can't get on more frequently? <laughs> how does that... No, seriously. We you agree. I mean? It should be... Talk to the new owners. You know, you guys should at least be on once a week or at least once a month. You know what I mean? Because you guys are very independent thinking. You know, uh, even the host doesn't talk about issues in Waterbury. You know, you can tell him I said that, too. I hope he's listening. <laughs> well, you are on air. You know? Yeah, so, so the fact of the matter is that you guys are great. And, and let me just say this, that you all independent? No. Part of the affiliation? No, we're the all part? across the board. Okay, well, here, here's a problem, and I'll just be brief. I know you got other callers. What happens is that yeah, this is a strong mayor-run city, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but pretty much all the Democrats are controlled, you know, by the mayor. You know, and you know what? Well, who know who said this? And, I, and he's no, no longer here. It's Republican Steve Giacomi. I don't know if you guys remember him. I remember him. Yeah, so he said it, you know, and, of course, just having an open mind, I'm like, wow, you know, this guy is right. So, in other words... All the Democratic candidates, you know, all the uh, board of all the men, they don't challenge, you know, with, you know, for, for example, the, um, and you mentioned this, the, uh, the statue, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that could have been the thing where, and, and I think, Dimitri, you know better than anybody else, you know, first of all, the mayor had the opportunity to do it through his own power, and then the board had an opportunity to make a decision, and everybody just kicked the can along. And finally, it, it, it was on a referendum, and the mayor decided to leave it to the voters. You know, and of course, the voters, you know, there was some backlash because, you know, they're like, if you take that statue down or remove it, you won't get our vote. You know, so he was like almost like threatened, you know, but the point of the matter is, is that the Democrats are under control, you know, under the mayor. You know, and the Republicans really don't cater to, they're not diverse. And I'll give you a good example. You had Vernon Matthews, you know, who wanted to run, was the first to run for the mayor spot as a Republican and got no support from the local Republican Party. 
You know what I mean? And so I think what hurt you guys was that your affiliation with the Republican Party and people, particularly black people, who are just loyal to the Democratic Party, I just don't get it, you know, they didn't support you, Demetrius, and, and, and others. And I think you had a few members that ran on the Board of Education. And you, none of you guys won. You know what I mean? So you couldn't get the support from the black voters because, you know, even though you weren't Republicans, you were associated with the Republican Party, even though you were independent. You know, and the Democrats were pretty much endorsed and handpicked by the mayor, and all the, the black folks just pretty much went along just to go along. You know, so that's just my opinion, you know. so Okay, you anyway, got a question for just, us? Yeah, so what are you going to do now? Are you going to get on the show more frequently, and you're <laughs> going to try to make that pitch to get on more frequently? That's my question. Oh, always, okay? Always, always, always an opportunity, right? So if anyone and higher up is listening, we are always welcome to come back, right? Like we always want to uh, advocate and spread awareness, so I'm down. Um, I Probably not the best person to answer this question. I have no authority over this, but uh, what do you think? Would you like to come back again? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is a great a great avenue. It's a great platform. It's fun to do this with the three of you, um, and and also just to just to clarify. So when Liz said we're across the political party spectrum, um, we each have I think we're two Democrats and two Independents. Yes, um, mm-hmm. here. So uh, just we and and within that we our political ideologies span from being. Uh, more liberal leftist to more conservative. Like it's not like it's a, a one shoe, one size fits all kind of situation. We have a variety of opinions depending on what we feel the situation calls best for. Um, but to, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. I think we'd all love to come back as as whenever we're welcome. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board with definitely coming back, especially with my people up here. Um, and I think that someone from the audience saying that requesting that holds a lot more weight than us just going to the higher ups and saying, hey, can we come back? So. Um, yeah, keep calling in, Cliff. We know that you're a regular over here. Chanel? Oh, yes. Um, Chanel's like, I'm not coming back with these look, crazy I've, folks. I've got, um, I've got my, again, my pay scales, my list of things. <laughs> well, you talk about green M&Ms, like, absolutely not. I need a hangover wrap from Baker and Honey every time I walk in. <laughs> no, but this is, this is so much fun. I, I, I love being able to talk about what's real and what's true um, with my friends. So I'd, I'd be more than happy to be back once a month or once a week. And if you want more uh, real conversations, go on your podcast listening <laughs> platforms and type in Coffee and Convos with Liz. You will get all these real conversations with some of these local faces and some uh, non-local faces. So, uh, yeah. But WATR, what's what's good? We're ready to sign the contract. Yeah, right. Contract. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have another caller? All right, uh, caller. I, it, yeah, if I may, I'm just two observations. Well, first off, uh, marijuana goes through. Uh, they're going to build a station because everybody wants it. That our culture is calling for. It's going to create a lot of problems with a lot of people. You know that they're not going to listen to the conscience. It's going to, and they're not used. The culture is bringing it on. Let me get to about. Secondly, they should have never allowed these got guns. They give they give a whack a feeling of confidence. No, no person's going kind of slaughter uh, somebody having a good time. But no, they won't do it with a pistol. They, they do it with these crazy guns that should never have been allowed. The greedy gun man, if I may, you don't need yak yak guns. That's special. That's military. It belongs to certain groups of uh, 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 trained uh, policemen. 
And even they go wild sometimes. They should have never, when I saw that was a spokesman, they should have hung him. If, if he had uh, uh, these yak-yak guns in mind, but fortunately, uh, I don't think, it would, I hope that completely banned them anyway. That's all. It's just an observation. That's all I can add. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much. Um, do we have another caller on the line right now? Okay. So I'll take this opportunity to, um, one, say thank you for the calls. If you're interested in calling, the number is 203-757-1320. Just wanted to shout out a local um, community project that's happening with Neighborhood Housing Housing. Um, Services of Waterbury is the community art project. They are looking um, for some local artists to show off their art skills and work with residents to create a unique art piece that na- that the neighborhood can enjoy for years to come. Visit the NHSW website at nhswaterbury.org for details. Proposals are due by July 27th. So again, that is with Neighborhood Housing Services of Waterbury. If you're an artist or know someone who is, go to nhswaterbury.org. All right, we have a couple minutes, about two minutes before our next break. Any thoughts? Uh, we're, we're, we're advocating now, we're advocating, uh, working for WATR as the list for things <laughs> we're advocating in uh, Wake Up Raps from uh, Baker and Honey. Um, any thoughts so far? We've covered a lot, but let's lose this, uh, these next 60 seconds. Anything that we didn't cover yet that you're hoping that we cover? Um, I think that, I think it was on our list of things was just, uh, women's rights. I oh, think, yes. I think abortion was a, a conversation that came up. I don't know if we've got time in the next hour to touch on that. or if We can start with that and then take some callers. I think that's something that. Was on the minds of a lot of people, especially if we're considering November elections, and we know it's galvanized a group of people and and also motivated another. So, yep. it'll so, be fun. All right, we're going to go to a break, and again, we'll come back talk about some women's rights issues and take some more callers at two zero three seven five seven thirteen twenty. All right, we have three minutes before we take our top of the hour break. It is your host, Liz, from Coffee and Combos. Caller, we're going to go and start with you. Hey, uh, my name's Izzy. I live in Maryland, but uh, I, uh, I visited Waterbury a bunch, and I used to like live around near Haven. I went to school there. And uh, I just wanted to ask a general question. So um, I've been to Waterbury recently, too, and uh, I know I wanted to talk about the walkability aspect that was touched on earlier by Bilal. Please do. And uh, I, I wanted to ask, like, so what do you all think about, like, what would be, like, if you were to do one thing to cause, like, the most, like, improvement in a walkability of a neighborhood in Waterbury, what neighborhood would that be and what would you do? I'm oh. curious. Okay. Great question. I'm going to kind of pass it to you. So you had shared, like, this awesome TikTok, um, like, about a year or so ago. This man was talking about the way they shifted the road and it put, like, the parked cars. So like, you know how like you usually walk and like, Mm -hmm. you're like near traffic, but you have like the traffic, then the parked cars and then like the bike walking lane. Mm -hmm. So like really like reshifting so that, you know, and I hate that over by the, the mall, it's like people walk so close to the road. It, it, it's like an accident waiting to happen. So that's what I would like to see where, uh, everywhere. I'm greedy. I want to see it everywhere. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a good question because, um, 
it's not only like it's not only about the prevalence of sidewalks, but it's also about their maintenance, mm-hmm. right? So you have to. I mean, so all four of us here have canvassed pretty significant portions of the city, right? Mm-hmm. We've we've collectively have knocked a lot of doors. And there are places where even if you were if you were a wheelchair user or if you mm-hmm. had mobility concerns, there's a certain point in the street where you have to stop. And mm-hmm. like your options are either go out into the street on traffic to get to where you need to go or we see it in the winter with kids all the time. Yeah, or you turn back around or something. I mean, so I think if I had to pick, I feel like the north end um has really has really low walkability. Mm-hmm. Um very uh, cracked or jagged sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Um even, There's often a lot of people there who have mobility issues. Yeah, yeah. If you're an older adult, if you're carrying your groceries back from a store, like, but I would, I would like to see that focusing on um, in the north end where you can actually walk to a store and come back to your place. You know, as opposed to like Town Plot or or the West Side where there's not as much stores. It's more residential mm-hmm. neighborhood. That's what I would say. Chanel Dimitri. I don't know how much time we have. So. We have about thirty, uh, sixty seconds. Yeah, so I I would agree with um, with Liz being greedy. I think that we should see that everywhere. Like I live in Brooklyn, where we people would argue that there are sidewalks, but we all know that the the large amount of one way streets and things down there don't really equate to safe walking or bike riding. Mm-hmm. Um, we have tons of kids who skateboard down that way. And really? Yeah, I'm telling you, like St. John's School, they they grind those rails, man, and on those stairs unsafe they should be there should be a skate park for them here but another story but like but there it's charles street like the unramped to route eight like it's hard to be a parent and have kids who want to play outside in those areas so i would love to see some sort of walkway built over there that that's a lot more safe all right y'all that's a wrap on another hour of our watr takeover stay tuned for the final hour where we close out the show take care